Good morning. It's my pleasure to introduce Mr. Matt Miller this morning. He's going to be our scripture reader. And until recently, Matt was part of the Union Missions Foundations program. And later this summer, he's planning on heading to uh, the, the Bible Institute, Word of Life Bible Institute. He'll be heading up there for some schooling. And Matt is a left center on the Bible Center softball team. So Matt, please read for us. Good morning. We will be reading from two different passages. Please follow along with the words on the screen. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to the mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. And count the patience of the Lord of salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters, when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Good morning again. I always appreciate the opportunity to speak to you all. Uh, Pastor Friend is out of town this week. I think he's been at Disney World this past week, relaxing. I'm not sure how you do that. If you recall, he described Disney World as a DMV line on the surface of the sun. Now, how you relax on the surface of the sun, I don't know, but I'm very thankful that he's given me the opportunity to be here to speak to you this morning. <clears throat> I recall a trip that uh, I went on. Uh, it was a while back. And on this particular trip, something happened that made my eyeballs feel like they were going to burn out of my head. I was on a trip to Canada. I was going there with some family and some friends, and we were driving up there. Uh, it's about a 28-hour drive, and you wind your way up through uh, Michigan and work your way into Ontario. Ultimately, you go to a place called Armstrong Station. And in Armstrong Station, it's like where the roads end at a lake, and you get on a plane and you fly another 100 miles north to the lake that you're going to be fishing on. Well, I don't know why I did this. But it was a long drive, and I think I was about 18 years old or so, and, and maybe I just wanted to sort of prove myself, I, I guess. I was the youngest guy with all these men, and the guy I was riding in the truck with, <clears throat> he, he rubbed snuff, okay? You know what snuff is, the stuff you put between your, your lip and your gum? Well, for years, I'd seen Major League Baseball players you know, they'd pull that can of stuff out of their back pocket and they'd hold it like that. And they'd snap their finger on a few times, get all packed down in there. Maybe I just wanted to show them that I was a real man and knew how to do that. So I saw that can of Copenhagen, uh, Copenhagen laying there and I, I grabbed it. But the lid wasn't on there real good. <laughs> and then uh, on, on the way up to my face, the lid came off. And the Copenhagen flew out, and it went to my eyes. And now we're driving up through the northern part of Michigan, <clears throat> going to the Upper Peninsula, uh, about to cross over into Sault Ste. Marie in Canada. And the, <laughs> the views are just spectacular. But I can't see anything because I've got 
tears running down my face. And this guy, he's, he's saying, oh, did you see that? And I was like, no, I, I can't see anything. You know, my eyes are burning and water's coming out of them. And I guess in hindsight, I wish there had been a label on top of the can that said, handle with care. If contents are mishandled, harm may ensue. Something to those lines. And I guess if I was going to put a label on the Bible, it may also say, handle with care. Contents may do damage if mishandled. You see, as important as reading the Bible is, and it is very important, I'm going to say it's even essential. If mishandled, if misinterpreted, bad things can happen. You see, it was supposedly on the basis of the Bible that the church for a long period of time uh, enslaved African Americans and justified it. It was supposedly on the basis of the Bible that the South was segregated and interracial marriages were forbidden. It was supposedly on the basis of the Bible that some churches have justified gay marriage and some have denounced it. It's on the basis of the Bible that some churches have ordained gay clergy. It's on the basis of the scriptures that some have gone and participated in protests at military funerals and screamed horrible things at people when they're going by. All supposedly on the basis of what the scriptures say. And it doesn't take long to see that people have very different ideas about what the scriptures are saying. And it often gets misused. Some have said the scriptures justify being extremely wealthy. Some would say, no, you need to be extremely poor. And I myself have to say that at times I've misused the scripture. Sometimes I've used it as a hammer on top of people's heads. And sometimes I've used it like my magic eight ball where I've just flipped through the pages, tried to put my finger on the verse, thinking that'll be the one that God uses to help me in whatever life decision that I'm facing. So the question for us this morning is, well, how do we handle the Scriptures well? How do I keep from running off into error? I want to have this vibrant relationship with the Lord. I know the Scriptures are an integral part of that. At the same time, I know if I misinterpret it, if I mishandle it, I can fall into error. Do I have to attend a seminary to know how to use this, this book that can be so challenging at times? So we'll go through these questions. This morning we're continuing our series on the Bible, and we're going to talk through the do's and don'ts, some of the do's and don'ts of understanding the Word of God. We'll be looking through three different books. We'll look at a few verses from the book of Psalms, then 2 Peter and the book of Ephesians. And we'll talk about three things, three don'ts and three do's in regard to understanding the Word of God. So first off, we're going to start with a don't. First of all, please understand you don't have to be a scholar to understand the Scriptures. You don't have to be a scholar in order to understand the Word of God and apply it to your life. And I'd like, if you would, please turn to Psalm chapter 19, verse 7. Psalm 19, 7. We'll look at two verses in Psalm. Psalm 19, 7. If you want to keep your finger there, we'll also be looking at Psalm 119, verse 130. So those two verses, Psalm 19, 7, Psalm 119, verse 130. 
In Psalm 19, chapter 19, verse 7 reads, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And then I'm going to go ahead and read the, the verse from Psalm 119. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. So in both those verses, we have kind of a common theme. Both references indicate something that the Word of God brings to somebody's life. In Psalm 19.7, it says that it revives the soul. And that's, that's literally to say that if you've ever been sick for a long period of time and you got better, it's like you're revived, you're feeling better. That's what that carries with it. You come back to your full strength. In the next verse, uh, Psalm 119, verse 130, it says that God's Word gives light. It's that it enlightens you. And then we get to the second part of both of these verses, which I really want to focus on. And both verses say something very similar. And I love this. Verse 7 makes wise the very educated. No, wait. That's not what it says. Makes wise the simple. Similarly, in verse 130, it imparts understanding to the simple. Man, do I love that. I dug into this word simple a little bit. It comes from this Hebrew word pati. And it can mean simple or naive. And the longer definition of the word states, pertaining to persons that are easily deceived or persuaded, showing lack of wisdom and understanding, yet having some capacity to change this condition. Now, just by show of hands, who at some time in their life would fall into this category of petite? Well, we've got some honest people here this morning. Yeah, man, alive. At some point, I would say we've all probably been considered sort of naive and willing to follow somebody. You know, Christ was always referring to his followers as sheep. And last week in ABF class, I, I started studying sheep a little bit, and as dumb as I thought they were, they're even worse. <laughs> as a matter of fact, if a sheep eats too much, it'll lay on its back until somebody comes over and pushes it over. They'll follow other sheep off a cliff. They're just dying to follow somebody or something. They need help. And we need help. And you know what? Maybe you were an A student in school. Maybe you did really, really well. Um, maybe you were sort of scholarly, and maybe you weren't. See, whenever I read these, these verses, there, do, there don't seem to be any pre-qualifying conditions to meet this category. The question is, are you teachable? Are you willing to learn? I remember whenever I was in my high school um, English class at Cross Lanes Christian, was, we had a great teacher. Uh, Mrs. Harden. Now, she had this one knucklehead in her class who just thought that English literature was one of the dumbest subjects there was. And if you haven't figured out, I was the knucklehead. Okay, I'll just let the cat out of the bag. And I thought it was silly. I, I remember um, not putting any work into that class. And I had the, well, I graduated with the lowest grade in my senior English class. And uh, I had bad reading comprehension. And, and by the way, guess what 95% of my job is now? 
it's ironic, isn't it? I, I just, I read constantly. That's probably why I became an engineer, see, because I couldn't read or write. My apologies to the engineers out there. Maybe you don't fall into that category. But what I had to learn was patience. I had to learn patience. So, you know what? You, you don't need to be a scholar to understand what the Word of God is saying, but you do need to have patience. And whenever I was taking those tests, I mean, those standardized tests in school, you know when you'd read the paragraph and then you'd answer the questions afterwards? I hated those things. I did horrible with those things. I just wanted to go straight to the questions and then go back and look at the paragraph and try to find all the answers. See, I was impatient. And that was part of my problem. That was one of the reasons I was having such trouble comprehending the things that I was reading. And the Word of God, you know, it is... 66 books. You got one big book with 66 books inside of it with names like Zephaniah and Obadiah. And it takes time to get to understand this thing. Okay? So if you take longer to get through one of those one-year reading plans, have you ever tried one of those one-year reading plans? I have never got through the Bible in one year. I'm just going to put it out there. Maybe you need to slow it down a little bit. One of my favorite Bible teachers, I'm going to quote him a few times this morning, a guy by the name of Howard Hendricks, said it took him three years to get through the Scriptures. And every three years, he would just go back and do it again, go back and do it again, go back and do it again. Um, so it's okay to take time and be patient. So no, you don't have to be a scholar to understand the Bible, but you do need patience because it takes time. Now, you may be thinking this morning, look, Chad, uh, I never claimed to be a scholar, okay? And I, I've got patience. I get what you're saying there. But isn't it fair to say that the Bible is a difficult book to understand? And yeah, I, I, I would think that that's a fair statement. And that leads us to this next don't statement, Okay, don't assume that it's easy. Don't assume that it's easy to understand exactly what it is the Bible's saying. Because there are a lot of difficult things in there. Some of the things for 2,000 years they've been drilling down to what the meaning of it is. Not all of it. Now, can the simple open up the Word of God and get an understanding of it? Yes, they can. But that does not mean it's going to be easy. So turning now to 2 Peter uh, chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3, and we're looking at verses uh, 15 through 16. We read there, it says, And regard the patience of our Lord as salvation just as also our dear brother Paul wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him. Speaking of these things in all his letters, some things in these letters are hard to understand. Things the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they also do to the rest of the scriptures. Now, I'd like to give you some context to these verses. This is a this is a topical sermon, so I'm going, I'm bouncing between a few different passages. Let me put this particular passage in context. Um, it's in a larger section which is talking about Christian hope. And it's talking about the hope of Christ's second coming. See, the audience that Peter is writing to, they're getting antsy. They're, 
they're undergoing a lot of suffering. And they're really looking forward to this second coming of Christ. And they need patience. And it says here that the Lord is being patient. Uh, the Lord is being patient for the purpose of getting more people on board, getting more people to repentance. Imagine somebody on a train. Uh, it's like the Lord is slowing the train from leaving the station because he wants as many people on board as possible. But Peter's audience is already on board, and they want to leave the station, so they're getting antsy. So he's slowing this train down. He wants to get more people on board. And Peter's saying that the Lord's being patient. He's also saying that the things that Paul wrote in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, you don't have to turn there, but needless to say, there it also talks about God's patience, God being patient towards repentance. So at this same time, the letters of the Apostle Paul, the letters he wrote to these churches, are being circulated around. And Peter knows that they're being circulated around, and he's referring to those. The audience had received these. And Peter says, look, I know you've got these letters. And he says, and I love this, he says, I also know that this stuff is hard to understand. Now this is the Apostle Peter, the one that walked on water, the one that was with Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. And what does he say? He's saying, you know what? These things that Paul wrote in his letters, they're hard to understand. Now, think about that because, again, this is the Peter. He lived right there in the same culture as Paul did. He lived in the same area as Paul did. He spoke the same language that Paul did. He, he was familiar with the things that Paul was familiar with. And these are all things that can serve as obstacles as you and I seek to understand what the Scriptures are saying. We speak a different language. We dress differently. We live on the other side of the globe. And we're in a completely different culture. There's still some semblance of that culture that's over there. These are people that lived under occupation, though, at the time of Paul's and Peter's writings. And culture makes a huge difference, and I'll, I'll illustrate this. Complete the sentence that I'm about to say. <clears throat> Four score and... Okay, look at how you just rattled that off. Three words, and you knew exactly what was coming next. But I've been in different contexts. I've been in different classrooms of people that were from different places. And the professor did what I just did, said four score. We answered, and they're just looking around like, what in the world is this? They had no idea. They weren't familiar with Abraham Lincoln. So culture makes a huge difference. Now, Peter could have finished Paul's sentences. He could have done what we just did. But we couldn't have done that. And yet Peter's saying this is hard to understand. This is why that you should not assume that Bible study is easy. Because it's not. It's challenging. Again, I'm going to quote my professor Howard Hendricks. He'd say, gentlemen, anytime you get up to preach or to teach, he said, you're going to sweat. Now he said, you can either sweat beforehand or you can sweat during but you're going to sweat because it's difficult work. It's hard to put these things together. This is why we need to use resources. So don't assume the scriptures are easy. Do use resources, okay? These are things like books and commentaries that are out there to help us understand God's word. 
Um, and by the way, anytime I'm preparing to preach or to teach, I always use a variety of different resources. Um, you've heard Matt Friend say from time to time, you know, if it's, if it's true, it's not new, and if it's new, it's not true. Well, if I'm in my study by myself and I come up with something off the wall, the first thing that comes into my head, okay, if this is new, mm, we better slow down here. I want to know what other people have to say about this particular passage. So I'm going to recommend uh, both a book and a website. First of all, there's a fantastic book. This is one of those that I think personally should be on the shelf of everybody who's planning on doing any Bible study. It's a, actually a two-volume set called the Bible Knowledge Commentary. Uh, and it was edited by two guys named Walvard and Zook. And it's a fantastic resource. Uh, it's great if you're going to be studying the New Testament to, to have that by your side. These guys reference tons and tons of reference, uh, reference books out there, things like encyclopedias and Bible dictionaries and other commentaries. <clears throat> they compile it all together into this two-volume set, the Old and New Testaments. And I always have it by my side when I'm studying the Scriptures. You can get it online. Uh, you can get it at most Bible bookstores, but it's called the Bible Knowledge Commentary. <clears throat> and I also want to suggest a website to you. It's called bestcommentaries.com. If you decide that you really want to dive into a particular book of the Bible and you want a good book to study that book of the Bible, you're going to go out there and you're going to find out there are hundreds of books written on virtually every book of the Bible. So before I go and I start spending my hard-earned money to buy these books, I always go to this website and find out, okay, what do the scholars say is the best book that has been written on this particular book of the Bible. Because I want to find that guy who spent his whole life on one particular book. Um, there's one of these guys I happen to have spent some time listening to, a guy by the name of Bruce Waltke. And he's one of these people, he's, he's like a genius and he doesn't know it. He's an older gentleman, um, studied languages at all these Ivy League schools and things. He's written two great commentaries, one on Genesis and, and one on Proverbs. But what I'll remember most, I got to hear him speak one time. Uh, he said he was sitting in his study in his house, and uh, his little girl, his daughter, had had a friend spend the night the night before. And he said he sees the two of them through the glass doors of his office, and they're both staring at him. And they're having a conversation between themselves. And the little girl that spent the night said, what is your dad doing? And his daughter said, well, he's studying ancient languages. And that little girl that spent the night said, well, why is he doing that? And his daughter said, because he doesn't know how to do anything else. <laughs> now, that's the guy I'm looking for. I'm not going to call him to fix my car. But he understands some books that he has spent his life studying. And by the way, I would encourage you to get to know at least one book of the Bible really really well. Um, you can't spend, if, if you're going to try to cover the whole thing, it's challenging. I encourage you to read the entire Bible cover to cover, but I would also encourage you to, to dive into one or two particular books over the course of your life and know those really, really well. As a matter of fact, if you want a suggestion, I would suggest the book of Romans. A lot of our doctrines of salvation come from the book of Romans. And I'll go a step further. If you want a good source on the book of Romans, I would rec uh, recommend a commentary written by a guy named Douglas Moo. Moo. 
It's like a cow. Okay, it goes moo. So Douglas Moo's commentary on Romans. So do you have to be a scholar to understand the Bible? No. Should you assume that it's an easy book to understand? No. So I do recommend patience. I do recommend that you use resources. Now, Peter goes on to say that there are those who are ignorant and unstable who twist the scriptures. There was a scene uh, in a movie, you may have seen it, you may not, called The Empire Strikes Back. I love Star Wars, for those of you that know me. And there's this one scene where this Jedi named Luke Skywalker, he's on the planet in the Dagobah system with Yoda, training to be a Jedi. Yes, Yoda, you see him there on the screen. And he has this sort of vision while he's training, and he sees his friends in trouble. And he gets really nervous and scared, and he goes to Yoda and says, look, I need to get to my friends. They're going to die if I, if I don't get there. And Yoda says something so profound, I've got it written down right here in front of me. He responds to Luke by saying this. He says, if you end your training now, if you choose the quick and easy path as Vader did, you will become an agent of evil. Now, you're, not, you're probably not going to become an agent of evil, okay? So let's just slow down there a little bit. But unstable, ignorant, ignorant to be not understanding what the Scriptures are saying, inadvertently twisting things around, not getting things right, I know that's not what we want to do. We don't want to jump the gun. We don't want to shortcut or short-circuit short this process, this endeavor of understanding what it is the Scriptures are saying. So use resources. It's okay. Um, use aids that help, us under, that help us get past a lot of these obstacles that are from geography and language and culture, all these things that the original audience would have been familiar with. Now, I know a good many of you, um, you're sitting there and you're thinking, Chad, look, isn't it a work of God to help me understand, understand what the Scriptures are saying? I mean, ultimately, are you telling me I should be ten depending on men as opposed to God to help me understand the Bible? Because I have great times of Bible study. Me on my back deck with my cup of coffee and my cat curled up beside me, I've got great times of Bible study out there. And I I, by all means, hear me, I do want you reading the scriptures out on your back deck with a cup of coffee. As a matter of fact, put a picture of it on Facebook. Yes, this is a good thing. But is there something else? Um, I want to take a look at the book of Ephesians. Because the question is, is that all it takes to understand what the scriptures are saying? So please turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to take a look at verses 11 through th uh, 13, Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. And there we read that it was he who gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, that is, to build up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, a mature person attaining to the measure of Christ's full 
stature. So again, let me put these verses in context. If we go back to verse 7 of chapter 4, we see that God has appointed people as gifts to the church. And then in verse 11, uh, there's five types that are mentioned here. The first two, apostles and prophets, they're already mentioned back in chapter 2 of Ephesians, as foundational gifts to the church. And the apostles, this includes the 12 that held the, the office of apostleship. Um, there's also more that would be appointed later, Paul, for example. And then there's apostles included like James and Barnabas and some others. So these are the guys that went out, and they were like the authoritative delegates. These are the guys that founded the churches. And then there's these New Testament prophets, and they have gifts that, according to 1 Corinthians 14, they provide edification, exhortation, and comfort. And they probably, as the biblical canon was being put into place, and as the letters are being circulated, they were sort of filling in the gaps of knowledge that hadn't made it everywhere yet. Then you've got the evangelists that share the task of sharing the gospel, uh, have the task of sharing the gospel, and populating these churches with converts that are coming to faith. And then we get to these last two, these pastors and these teachers. They're kind of lumped together, probably because it's referencing the same person, the person that has both the gift of pastoring and teaching. Um, pastors operate as shepherds and they offer comfort and then the teachers come along and they provide instruction in the word of God and then in verse 12 we see the purpose of these gifts gifted people are to minister the word to others for the, 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 the purpose of equipping the saints to do ministry and then in verse th uh, 13 it says we use our gifts so the whole body of Christ enjoys unity becomes more spiritually mature and more Christ-like in all his fullness. So here in these verses, we see giftedness, we see unity, we see people striving together to use their God-given gifts for the purpose of reaching maturity. So the don't here is don't go solo. Don't go solo. If the intent was that we would get our best interpretation of the scriptures, sitting by ourselves, being alone, then God would not have gifted pastors and teachers to help us along the way. You see how this works? This Christianity thing we're doing, this is a, this is a team sport, and none of us are islands. Um, when we branch off on our own and we think we can do things better on our own, without the community, this is when we end up with things like Mormonism. Because see, there was a guy named Joseph Smith that thought that. That's not how this works. Instead, do be in community. This is so important to the Christian walk. Do be in community. Be in community with other disciples of Christ. We can help each other. We can use our gifts to help understand what the scriptures are saying. And listen, as a pastor and a teacher, this is what I want to help do. Okay, this is why I get paid the big bucks. This is why I went off to school and spent those years studying so I could come back. God has brought me back here to get to do what I'm doing now. And this is what other men have done for me. And I pray by the grace of God we've got pastors and teachers in this congregation that are going to rise up 
and they're going to help along the next generation, and again, and again, and again, and again. See, we're all part of a long-standing community. So don't fly solo. Be in community. God's gifted the body of Christ so we can collectively help each other understand what is it that the Bible's saying. So is it important to regularly read God's Word? Absolutely. Again, back to my Bible teacher, Howard Hendricks. He used to say this. As a matter of fact, he had this written in the the fly of his uh, Bible. It said, this book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. And dusty Bibles lead to dirty lives. So yes, absolutely, read the scriptures. But don't just read them. Read to understand what it is the the scriptures are saying. Read it to understand how are you going to apply this to your life to make meaningful life change. So be patient. Don't try to do it overnight. Use resources. And then finally, be in community. And in closing, I'd like to talk for a moment um, about, about my son. Do you mind if I do that? I do this from time to time. I don't mind talking about him. If you're a Facebook friend of mine, you'll see that my wife and I have left about 30 seconds of his life undocumented. The rest is is out there on Facebook. But when my son Landry, he's got all these internal timers. And when one of those suckers goes off, he's wanting milk bad. And when you know it, there's no mistake, because he'll start screaming and crying. And the only thing at that point that's going to satiate him, the only thing that's going to bring him satisfaction is if you get that bottle of milk and you get that to his mouth just as fast as you possibly can to get that alarm turned off this should be the christian's attitude towards the word of god i'm going to leave you this verse first peter 2 verse 2 like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation There is no easy path to mature in your knowledge of the scriptures. It's important to be consistent. It's important to continue in studying the scriptures throughout your lifetime so you can have an immeasurably rich experience as a follower of Jesus Christ. Please pray with me. God, there are things in your word that are hard to understand. And God, I pray that we would spend the rest of our lives together uh, gaining a deeper understanding and correctly interpreting your word. God, please give us the will and the desire to do the hard work of understanding the scriptures. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.